okay. There, there are some times when you get up to preach on a day like today, and you kind of can expect what to happen, and you think, you know what? Uh, this is going to be one of those preaches where it is met by general smiles from right to left and nods, and maybe if someone's particularly extravagant, and the odd amen or something like that. And if I was, <laughs> amen, yeah, you know. Uh, and if I was preaching on something like, for example, kindness or uh, the grace of God to us or the need to show justice to the marginalized, for example, I would expect that even if there were loads of people here today, which I, I hope there would be, uh, who just come maybe for the church for the first time or uh, just come into Christianity completely afresh, they would at the very least leave saying, you Christians are nice, aren't you? Today is not one of those days. Okay, if you could turn to page Colossians chapter 3, verse 18 to 19, uh, short and I want to argue sweet as well, but let's, uh, let's read this. It won't take long, and I think you'll see my point. This is what Paul writes. Wives, submit to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and do not be harsh with them. Full stop. Okay? It's only preached on some longer passages in this Colossians series so far. Not sure I've hit one so far uh, that is such cultural dynamite as this one. Um, I think at this point in history, in this place, there probably isn't a verse that is less culturally friendly than this verse in the Bible. There might be one or two that would come close, but this is a a hot potato (laughs) to say the least, uh, I think. And I guess it probably is no surprise to you, it's the very first words that do it here. Wives, submit to your husbands. Okay? If you've not got the implication, I'm sure you probably have, what this verse is laying out is the view that there are two different roles in a Christian marriage. The wife submits, and by implication then, the husband, in one way or another, carries some measure of uh, a different authority within the relationship, okay? Just so we know uh, that is what Paul's saying. It's made explicit in Ephesians 5. In Ephesians is another letter. Paul writes the letter to the Colossians that we've been looking at as a church. Uh, he also writes the letter to the Ephesians, which he actually expands on some of the stuff in Colossians. So if you want a bit of a commentary on Colossians, you're struggling, go to Ephesians. A lot of the passages are very similar. And in Ephesians 5, he expands on this. And he says uh, in verses 22 to 23 of Ephesians 5, exactly the same start. Wives, submit to your husbands, uh, to your own husbands as to the Lord. But then he fleshes it out, verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its saviour. Now, going back to today's verse then, the second half is a little less controversial on its own. But in the light of those first words, particularly that big S word, submit, I mean, I think even the very nice husbands love your wife, wives becomes, in some people's minds, slightly paternalistic, even slightly patronising. And then the last bit, do not be harsh with them, is almost a little bit menacing, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? I think you could see it like that. You'd be, come on, but why would you need to say, don't be harsh with them? Ah, oh, wait a minute, I get it. So the husband's the boss, and if the minion steps out of line, well, then the boss might fly off the handle. So just you know, calm down on the, the flying off the handle. Is that, is that what Paul's saying here? I, I think definitely when we read this verse through, uh, through the cultural lenses that we have, we may well come to a conclusion like that. So... If even some of you are hearing these verses in this way, I recognize I've got some work to do today to help you get anything out of this passage at all. And there's the added complication. There'd be a number of people today who'd be like, um, yeah, that verse isn't relevant to me in the slightest because I'm not married. And that would be a, a large portion of us, I guess. 
Now, if any of you know me, uh, you'll know I'm, I'm usually up for a bit of a challenge. Uh, but I'll be honest, I also know when I'm beat. <laughs> and so uh, I've decided it would be foolish for me to go into the escapade on my own. And so I have recognized my weakness and called in the big guns today. Or one big gun in particular, and that would be uh, Mrs. Gemma Meller. Uh, okay, which is interesting because last week at one, for those of you who don't know me well, uh, there was a few comments at the end. Johnny, why were you flirting with members of the panel? <laughs> and uh, I didn't make clear that this is my wife. I'm not just saying you look beautiful to any girl on the panel, okay? So just wanted to get out there as soon as possible. But I'm not just going to be um, flirting with my wife. We might do, I don't know, I don't expect we will. But anyway, um, but we will be doing this together. And uh, for some of you might have thought, oh, you should have clocked onto this and brought the brains of the Meller operation in long ago. But today, that is what we're going to do. And I want to uh, lay out, this is the plan for today, okay? We want to be as honest and transparent with you on this as we can and we're going to come to a place like this and uh, this might be disappointing to you but we've not got this nailed just so you know and uh, we've not got it nailed in our heads either the the whys of this verse as we've talked this through over our whole married life and particularly in the last couple of weeks as we come up with the hairbrain screen to do this together you know we would maybe be on slightly different pages in some regards of the whys of this there would be some loose ends regarding this verse that we at the moment, even now, we say, I just don't know how to tie these together, and maybe even some we'd tie together slightly differently. But what we want to present to you, what we would agree on, me and Gemma, where we'd be, is while we don't understand all the reasons why God put verses like this in the Bible, uh, we have both sought to obey his word in this regard. And we've tried to do that in this area, although it's been tricky at times. And what we've both found, uh, and what we're going to communicate, is that as we've sought to work this one through in our marriage, more and more, we have seen the wisdom of God in how he has ordered marriage like this. We've seen blessing, we've seen flourishing as we've obeyed him. We've seen, well, I wouldn't have put it like this myself. Sometimes I've wished these verses weren't in the Bible, but actually we've come to the conclusion, if these verses weren't in the Bible, well, our marriage would be in a much worse place than it is today. So uh, we're going to keep things practical, hopefully be quite personal uh, with you as well. And the aim is this, is that for you guys that are married here, uh, you'll be able to take some practical examples away and think about how you can apply this in your marriage. Uh, for you guys who one day may get married but aren't yet, it, it might be a funny thing to say, we want you to think carefully about what you would be signing up for if you get married, okay? Uh, because it's not, it, we laugh, but it's not just that we just stumble into marriage, but actually Christian marriage is a, is a big deal here. If you, if you struggle with the stuff, I think I could never do that, actually probably God's not calling you to get married. I mean, that's a big thing, but you've got to know what you're getting yourself into, <laughs> I suppose. And uh, I think many of you guys who would find uh, this verse either irrelevant to you, you think, well, actually, I think I'm called to be single for my life, or you'd find this verse utterly indefensible. You think, oh, there's no way I can see how this could work in the modern world. I would like you to see this. What we want to do today is uh, I feel we, I want to stand up and vindicate God's wisdom today. And I think at this point, this would be one of the most, the, the bits of the Bible that our culture would say, that is as wrong as you can be on something. Actually, we're all children of our culture, and we will have struggles with that, therefore. However, what we want to say is there is wisdom here, God's wisdom. It said in Colossians 2, verse 3, we spoke about it last week, in Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I'd like to put up what the world would say is, no, no, definitely not foolishness here, and say, no, even here, even at the most controversial, the most despised part of the Bible, he's wise, and he's right. And uh, while we can't answer all the questions of why, we want to spell that out, and maybe of the how and how that comes about. So, without further ado, I would like to hand on to Gemma. Wait. 
So, uh, I don't know how we do this. So, submission, hey? <laughs> this is definitely not the easiest go for my first chance up here. <laughs> so, thanks very much. Uh, <laughs> this has definitely caused some very interesting conversations, a few heated ones and a lot of study in our house over the last uh, couple of weeks. And basically, this is where we've landed. The theory is one thing, but it is actually the practice that speaks. I have lived a life of submission in one way or another. As a child, to my parents, my teachers, uh, my peers, in later life, to tutors, uh, to colleagues, to government, to friends. And at times, submission has come in the form of money or status, compassion or fear. But I've also lived a life of leadership. I've led siblings and pets. <laughs> I've led friends and students and colleagues and children, and in fact, myself, through life. We, as human beings, live lives full of both leadership and submission. For example, uh, uh, God has given us dominion over, to crea over creation to both men and women. Okay? It says in uh, 1 Genesis 28, God blessed them and said to them, Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. That wasn't just said to Adam. It was said to Adam and Eve. We were asked to rule and reign together. On the other hand, within the church, uh, everyone needs to learn to submit to everybody else. Uh, from the passage that Johnny read in, in Ephesians, just before that, uh, it says uh, in Ephesians 5.21, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It is our job and our role to submit to each other all the time in things that we do. We, we must all be submissive. However, <laughs> there is no escaping it that Paul here is laying out what appears to be a definite order and allocation of roles within marriage. So why is it that when it comes to marriage then, it appears that there is a special order of leadership and submission? I'll be completely honest with you. <laughs> These verses have always given me an uncomfortable feeling. Submitting to Jesus is fine. I'm with that. I'm with that. Because he gets everything right. But what about a flawed human being <laughs> who will not get everything right? <laughs> um, I have often wished that I could sit down with Paul and just ask him for a bit more. I have really known the grace of, and mercy of God in my life. Uh, and I know that it is my purpose and very often my delight to serve him for all my days and give him glory. But at times, looking at the Bible, as a woman, I sometimes wish there was a little bit more. A few more role models and a few more examples of how this is actually supposed to work. You know those funny icebreaker questions that you have? It's like, if you could have dinner with any one dead person, who would it be and why? Well, if I didn't bottle out of it, mine would be Paul. <laughs> and these are the questions that I'd ask. Paul, is it worth having dreams and ambitions of my own if I'm just going to have to follow my husband's vision? Is my destiny in Jesus' hands or in my husband's hands if I get married? And if I submit, does this mean that Johnny gets all the glory and I am just his minion? Can I just be lazy? because I don't have to make any decisions anyway. <laughs> Does my role have less value, and therefore do I have less value? And Paul, what happens if 
Johnny is a total bonehead. <laughs> now, I, I know that these might not be the exact same thoughts and questions that you have in relation to this passage, obviously depending on what side of the sexes you are, but also I would be very surprised if you didn't have any issues with it at all. And that isn't because I have the all-seeing eye, although don't tell my children that, please. <laughs> but it is because God predicted this. Okay, he, will predi- he predicted that this will be an issue for every fallen b- human being. In fact, when God punishes Adam and Eve at the fall, part of the punishment given is that there will be conflict in our roles that he has allocated to men and women in marriage. Genesis 3.16 says, God says to the woman, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. What this means is, my desire, your desire will be for your husband's role. And his role will become harsh. The battle of the sexes starts here. This is the point it starts. And therefore, this does translate. It translates into tension between married couples. Due to the fall and our sin, the harmony of God's plan for men and women has been busted. It causes trouble in our relationships, even once we're saved. And at times, it's hard to work in harmony. It's hard to be united as one. So, my own personal starting point on this instruction that God gave me was that I was going to give it a go. That's what I decided. I was going to give it a go. In obedience to my Heavenly Father, the giver of grace and mercy, I was going to try. Now, I know that there are, with any verses um, that are slightly controversial in the Bible or difficult, some differing opinions and interpretations of this passage. And time won't allow us to break down and evidence all of those. Uh, But through my own study, the place that I landed was that the idea of submission and leadership in marriage was one that was planned and designed by God before the fall. Okay, and therefore, if it was part of his plan for his glory, it was my responsibility to try. So, uh, I'm going to go back to my parents, in fact. Parents are obviously great opinion makers and shapers for for us growing up. Uh, And growing up, my dad, he owned his own business. Um, In fact, at the point of decision that he came to when he decided to leave his his current job and start up his own business, uh, that was a decision that I was very aware that my mum and dad, they came to that together. They completely made that decision together. It was either moving to a new city uh, as part of his job or he would set up his own business. And so that's what they decided to do together. And although he was the managing director of that job, uh, which actually ultimately turned out to be a a large business, uh, he employed lots of people and it, it, it was very successful in the end, I was extremely aware that my mum was as vital to that job as my dad ever was. Uh, They both had roles in and out of the firm uh, that meant the company would succeed. They both shared in the background and the limelight at times in different ways, and they both shared in the difficulties of that and the joys. And uh, as time went on, actually so did we as kids. At times, my dad had to make difficult calls. That did have consequences for the whole family. But we were a team, ultimately, in that we became a team. And so this is pretty much where the point at which I entered marriage, really. I'd like to say I'd given it lots of thought before then, but this is pretty much what I expected. And unconsciously, or consciously, this is what I thought would happen. What I had not realized (laughs) is that, like everything, imperfectness can make this really hard. And it means that you have to work at it and that you do get better, hopefully but it doesn't start brilliant. (laughs) Now, Johnny is going to share a bit more about our personal tale in all of this, 
And I don't want to do a twilight book five and just repeat it from a different angle. <laughs> but I would like to just say a few things. Submission and leadership in our family works in the following ways. First off, I think marriage should have a purpose. You are a team and you've been brought together by God to achieve things. Because you should be going somewhere and therefore you should have a vision and a plan for your marriage. So I'd say the first thing is set it out together. Set out your vision and plan together. In our family, this would mean both of us sitting down together and hashing it out. Johnny would normally take the kind of chairperson type role. Uh, he would more often than not maybe instigate these discussions and refer back to plans that we've made. But at different times and in different ways, we both input this vision equally, completely equally. As Christians, really, ultimately, our vision, our big vision is set by God. But you do have to sit down and work out the finer details. I want to go to, I feel like we're close enough to Christmas that I can do this. So I want to go to Mary and Joseph, okay? They were given a task from God. In fact, on the surface of it, Mary was given the much more important, bigger role, okay? But once God had given them this task, and they had then decided to do it and go for it, okay, Joseph led his wife. He led her to Bethlehem. He led her to a safe place to make home, and we assume he led her through labor. He carried the leadership while she was very busy working too. I just want to reflect on this for one moment, because I think this story proves that leadership doesn't make you more important than the people you lead, okay? But God has different roles for each of us to make us most effective in the things that he's called us to do, okay? So for us, we agree on a direction together, most of the time. <laughs> and then we divvy up the roles within this, and we go for it. And I lead in some of these, but Johnny will often take the kind of overarching doing the roundup of these. Uh, and although 99% of the time, this is just a simple, is everyone okay, yeah, or no, not really, maybe we need to reassess what we're doing, okay? It is, however, the 1% of the time that I really think that this submission stuff is actually all about. If Johnny and I had not had this instruction in our lives, I think this is what would have happened. We would have spent a lot of our time batting leadership back and forth based on who could be bothered or who was annoyed enough and wanted something their own way. At best, it would have just made us much more ineffective in our vision. We would have just been much slower to ever get anywhere. Okay? And at worst, I think we probably would have given up doing life together. We would have just got fed up. But the instru this instruction for us has meant that when we come to an impasse where we really cannot decide, I submit. Now, there are ways in which this should be done to make it much easier for me. The Bible says to love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave everything up for it, okay? If that's the instruction, it doesn't make it so difficult for me, all right? And it says, as in this verse, don't be harsh. Don't be harsh about it, okay? But my job, if we really cannot agree, is that I submit. Now, as I've said, in 99% of cases, we kind of actually managed to sort this out together. But at times, I have really, really really, 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 really had to suck it up. <laughs> and sometimes this has worked perfectly, and Johnny's suggestion was actually a good one, you know. All right? 
And sometimes it hasn't. We've tried it for a bit, and then we've talked about it again, and we've reworked it, and we've had another go. Okay? And, and at least one occasion, we still haven't come to full harmony. I'm, I'm not going to lie about it. We still haven't. But I have submitted, and although we still don't quite see, quite see eye to eye, we love and we respect each other in it. Okay? And I have known what I would say and what I think is God bless me in that submission. Now, I, I doubt very much that we will never talk about it again, and we will go through that again. But I respect Johnny enough to know that he is leading me with love, and we're going to try it, and we're going to keep trying. Sorry. Sorry, don't worry. All right. Although the theory has always been really tough for me, I've never dived into it smiling and jolly about that idea. In practice, I have actually honestly seen it work. God has created us, women and men, in his own image to display his glory. And there is part of this very interaction between the sexes through marriage that I think displays something of the glory of God. It displays something of God's character. It displays something of who he is. It should speak to us about who he is. So going back to some of my original questions, I'm actually going to leave loads of those to Johnny because in his tale it actually answers a fair few of those. But I just wanted to say to you, if you're a lady and you're married, uh, God has breathed into us plans, purposes, and roles that are for his glory. We display God's glory in our thoughts and our actions and our deeds, and we are not alone in submission either. We had to submit to people before we were married. Guys have to submit all the time. Jesus had to submit more than anyone. And I know it's hard, okay? I know it's hard. In fact, God gives us quite a lot of reminders in the Bible, probably because it's going to be hard. <laughs> but I also know that unfortunately, in the potential of trying to get it right, it actually can also cause a lot of hurt and feeling demeaned in the process. But just as it's hard, I also trust that God will be faithful to us in trying and giving it a go, okay? And making it work, and I make it work, because I trust actually that his ideas are better than my own, okay? So uh, I'm going to pass you back to Johnny for a bit. See you in a minute. She'll be back. Right, so as Gemma said, I, I'm going to tell you a tale. That sounds good. I should probably get Anna to do that. She's good with tales. Um, there we go. Um, uh, so Gemma's outlined a little bit of some of her problems uh, that she would have had with this verse, and I, I've, I've had some problems with this verse too, but as you'll find out in a minute, you probably would have more sympathy for Gemma's <laughs> problems than mine. Um, my basic problem is coming to a verse like this, which I wouldn't have realised actually, would have been that I'm two things, uh, that I'm basically quite passive, and secondly, I'm basically pretty selfish, which hasn't helped me a great deal here. Um, and so I'll tell you that in, in as Gemma put it, my tale. How, how has this worked for me? Well, um, uh, I'm very happy to say, uh, in, and I'm happy to say as much as I need to say it, I am not what you would call a natural leader. <laughs> I don't think that's the case at all. Uh, my role models growing up were not assertive go-getters who like to push their weight around to get the job done. Okay, uh, My role models were all pot-smoking hippies. Okay, And that's just me. Those are the people I wanted to be like. And so uh, I remember in a very earnest heart-to-heart -heart with my BFF at 16, me and Billy, uh, <laughs> I mentioned what we were actually doing, which might relate to something a minute ago, but anyway. Um, we, 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 uh, we, uh, we were talking about responsibility. I remember very earnestly, both of us coming to utter bewilderment of why would anyone in their right mind ever take responsibility for anything? And I remember coming to this conversation, 
Well, we've, we fixed that. That's madness. Like, why would you? Why don't you just kick back and chill out? I mean, for goodness sake, what's wrong with people? Um, so to go from such a position, I was a little while later, to getting married and having to lead your wife, that was a little bit of an enigma for me, okay? And uh, I was learning to lead on the ground as I'd put absolutely no effort into learning that skill at any point in the past. Now, <laughs> for those of you who were around at church at that time, you might be scratching your head at this point and saying, yeah, but Johnny, you were carrying responsibility at church at that time when you got married. Well, if you were around at the time, you'll also know I wasn't very good at doing that either. And now you probably know why, okay? So uh, my passivity was an issue, okay? Uh, but also, there was a selfishness in it as well. And I, I think, ref- on reflecting on this, I think that my bent towards taking a chill pill uh, didn't mean that I wouldn't lead. What it meant was that I just thought leadership would come naturally and it would just be very straightforward. So it's like we're married. It says in the Bible, wives submit to your husband. Looks like I've drawn the lottery ticket here, doesn't it? So this is going to go fine. I've married a good Christian woman. This is going to be great. Uh, and this meant that I did lead Gemma. But what I did was I led her to do the things that I wanted to do. <laughs> I don't know if anyone can reflect with that. The things I was enthusiastic about or the, 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 the emphases in the Bible that fitted my personality. Well, this is what we're doing. Let's go. And you're coming with me because you submit. I wouldn't have put it like that, but that's kind of how things uh, worked. And so things like evangelism and hospitality and quiet times with God, those are good things. But coincidentally, they were all things that fitted my personality perfectly. So a classic example would be something we didn't realize early on but do now. I'm an extrovert, which means I draw energy from crowds of people. Okay, Gemma, on the other hand, is an introvert. She gains energy from being on her own. And all the things that I thought were so godly, strange this, isn't it, were all extrovert things. Let's have what we need to do. The godly thing to do is get everyone around in the summer for a barbecue from the road. Let's get a whole block of flats around for mulled wine for Christmas. This is what godly people do, you know. Hospitality, evangelism, you know. And they were actually they're good things, but they were coming from a place of, well, this is just what I do, and you're coming with me. And increasingly, as we did these things, Jem was absolutely brilliant in this. She's like, yeah, okay, do this. But increasingly, it was quite obvious that her heart wasn't in all of those things. And I, I didn't stop to think why at all. I just kept on going, well, no, I'm, I'm leading the marriage, you know. And it's... Uh, it's, uh, just to be really clear, it's not that Jem didn't want to do those things. It's that her capacity for those things was different to mine. And actually, uh, there are loads of things that I know that Jem has much more capacity for than me, actually. Uh, but I wouldn't have noticed them because I was too busy plowing ahead, happily thinking I'm leading my wife like a good Christian husband when actually I was just being selfish. You, you see the idea? I don't know if this resonates uh, with anyone. And uh, God actually challenged me on this in a very specific way and over a very specific incident. I remember this, and I'll remember this uh, for the rest of my life. Um, in the, we, it goes back about eight years. Just before we had Isaiah, we had a lodger who lived with us. And the lodger was our friend, but he was my friend specifically. Okay? And uh, he lodged with us, and he was an excellent lodger. Okay? Uh, and we were, about to have, we were about to enter into the unknown of parenting, but we decided together, and this wasn't something I kind of said, Oi, I'm winning this. We decided together, no, the, the money's quite helpful. He's a really good lodger. We'll keep him as a lodger, despite the fact this is slightly unknown what's going to happen. Uh, to us. And uh, that was a decision we made together, but quite quickly when Isaiah entered the world, we realized that was a mistake. That was a bad move because Jem was trying to get ahead around parenting. I was obviously at work, and as we reflect on later, Jem had postnatal depression after Isaiah was born, and the last thing she needed was another guy in the house popping his head in every hour and again, when she's like, ah, poo everywhere. What do I do with this? I'm struggling with this. You know what I mean? <laughs> you, you would know what I mean. Did I know what <laughs> I meant? Not really, no. But over time, slow Johnny 
did come to terms with this, and Gemma was like, look, we've got to fix this. I'm struggling here. And so uh, you'd have thought on that point, it's been brought, brought to me, I'd fix it, wouldn't I? Did I fix it? No, I did not fix it. What I did was I half-heartedly suggested to my friend, the lodger, that it might be helpful if he moved out, and then I left the ball completely in his court. <laughs> months passed, okay? I don't mean days, I don't mean weeks. Months passed. And I'd be hinting to him every now and again while my wife was getting increasingly beaten up by the situation. And um, I was still gently cajoling him, but I don't blame him at all for seeing no sense of urgency uh, in, in uh, finding a place to stay. And eventually God spoke to me, and he spoke to me very, very firmly, and he said this. He said, Johnny, you need to lead your family, and you need to love your wife. That's what he said, this stuff. And it wasn't a husband's love your wife. It was, Johnny, love your wife. This is a responsibility I've given you, and you are not doing your job. And it hit me between the eyeballs, and I did something, okay? And I'm going to be absolutely honest with you. I treated my friend terribly. Uh, I regret that to this day. Um, we lost our friendship over it because I went from gentle cajoling to basically shouting at him and telling him I was moving his stuff out of the house. And I didn't do it right. I, I'll be completely honest with that. Um, but you know what? Even though I didn't do it right, and I am sorry for how I did that, I had to do something. And I'm happy that at least I did something. And I've learned, I think, to do it better. But I had to start somewhere. Do you know what I mean? Some of you are thinking, oh, I can't do that. I can't do conflict situations. And to step onto that, you have to do it wrong to begin with, actually. But you've got to get on that wagon. You've got to learn how to do that. And we have a responsibility to love everybody and be kind to everyone. But for husbands here, you have a special responsibility to love your wife. And if that means actually putting your friend's noses out, you've got to make that call. And I did. And I did it wrong. But you know what? That was the start of actually trying to get to grips with this a little bit. Um, so as I've probably pointed out quite clearly, there's no way in which I've got this nailed or we've got this nailed. But as I've endeavored to take up this calling, particularly since that point, I think, We've seen the blessing of God and a kind of flourishing in our relationship, in our marriage, that I'd say is as we've tried to work this out. And so I wanted just to give you a brief window, as Gemma has, some of it might repeat a little, on what does this look like then? Practically, how does this work in our relationship from the husband's side? You've heard from the wife's side. Um, What does submission and leadership in the home look like? Um, I, I, I had a boss when I was a teacher who was quite antagonistic to Christianity, but knew quite a lot about it as well. I don't know if you know people like that. And uh, he, would, uh, he would come to me and with verses like this. And he'd go, so wives submit to your husbands, Johnny. How does that work in your house? And in fact, he asked the question, but he, he had an idea. He knew. And this was his idea. And he told me, he goes, I know how this works, isn't it? It's like you've got a big button, isn't it? The submit button. And basically, when you're feeling like you want something done, all you do is go, I'm, I'm going to press the button. No, no, no seriously, I'm going to... Submit, <laughs> and he, that's what he thought it was. That's what he told me, and I told this to Gemma as we were preparing. She goes, "Ah, but what he didn't know is I've got a love button as well, haven't I?" And then you press that, and go, "I'm pressing the love button," and then it all becomes very confused. You're like, "Who am I submitting to here? I've got to submit to love you," and ah, and the whole thing short circuits. That's not how it is, okay? <laughs> now, there are some obvious examples of leadership we can see in the world that may have some help here, frameworks we can see. So Gemma mentioned the, ch- the chairman of a meeting. I don't, I don't know. That, in some context, that could be helpful. The captain of a team, uh, uh, even a line manager, possibly 
But I recognize even as I say those words, those things can be done in such wildly diverse ways that they could also be very, very bad analogies of how to do things. Okay? Now, I think the best framework then we can have as a start place of what does this look like was Jesus's. And it's spelled out by Paul. It's exactly the same. But Jesus' model of leadership was what? That a leader does what? He serves. The leader serves. If you want to rule, you must serve. That's what Jesus taught. And so we come from a place, and this is why the models around us are so poor, is that's not how leadership's seen in the world. People say it is, but it's not. No, how do we lead? We serve as we lead. But how does that look practically? Well, I think I've got three things uh, that I can say, just to rattle through before I hand back to Jen for some application. Um, Firstly, in our family, this is how it works. I would carry a general sense of responsibility for my wife and for my family. As far as I, I see it in the Bible, I think it's fair to say that we as husbands will be held accountable by God for what goes on in our wives' lives and what are in our families' lives. I don't know if you've ever reflected on that before. Where do I get that from? Well, there's a number of places, but the main one would be Genesis chapter uh, 3. Remember the story? Did you ever mentioned it before? Uh, Adam and Eve are told in the garden, don't eat from this tree. Okay? What happens? Well, who's the one who's deceived? Who's the one who, first of all, eats the apple? Eve, the woman, eats the apple, isn't she? Now, obviously, the guy comes along after and eats the apple as well, so they've both done something wrong. But interesting, you'd think, okay, we've seen what's gone wrong here. When God comes in, what's he going to do? And so God comes in, and you think, well, he's going to go to Eve, isn't he? No. This is what God does. He knows exactly what's happening. He plays kind of coy in the story of like, mm, not sure what's going on here. Obviously, God knows. What does he say? He says this, Adam, where are you? That's really interesting. What's happening there? What he's saying is this. In a sense, Adam, you're the one I put leadership here. What goes on in your household? Yeah, I'm going to come around to Eve in a minute, but you're the first one I go to. Doesn't lessen the responsibility of wives to live righteously, but I think it certainly raises the stakes for us guys. And I don't think there's any way we can get around that. I think in the church, it's been very good at spelling out submission. Like, submission is the problem. The wife is the problem. I would think the opposite. I'm going from my personal experience, but I'd say uh, I think that's often the case with us. Now, we've got to take this very seriously, guys. Husbands, it's very, very possible, I'd say probable, that when we get to heaven, God will ask us to give you an account of how our wives have lived their lives. Okay? Not completely, but in a way. Now, I think there'll be loads of stories, even in this room, that would make this incredibly tricky. And I know this isn't black and white. And I know there'll be times, and there's some of you guys here, your wives would have done terrible things. And you just think it's out of the blue. I don't know where that came from. And it just is, is I, I just don't know what to do with that. And I don't think this is something that we should beat ourselves up about, about mistakes that have been made in the past by either us or our wives. But I certainly think it should set the tone as our attitudes as husbands in the future. Guys, listen, if you're a husband, this is the deal. You carry your family. And it's not because they're weak. And it's not because you're better or cleverer or wiser than them. It's simply because of this. God's given you that responsibility. He's chosen in his wisdom to do that. And he's given us, if he's given us that role, that means this. He has the grace for us to fulfill that role. Even for an idiot like me, he broke in. He could see our family. He could see what's going on. He said, no, I've given you this role. And I know, although you're doing it wrong, you're trying. Here's my grace. And his grace came with a big firm, oi, stop it. Some of us need to hear that sometimes. Because he also came with incredible favor to help me in that way. And I know the culture we live in. I know the messages that are told to us men through the culture almost constantly. The expectations of us as men is that we will disengage from our families, that we will wing it in our marriages, 
that it's much more, uh, it's much better regarded to shirk responsibility than it is to take hold of it uh, and to take hold of our lives and our marriages seriously. And those voices are powerful voices. We just think, oh, it doesn't matter, it's out there. We're fooling ourselves. I know those voices affect me, and I imagine they'll affect you too. And I imagine that for some of you, you will have given in completely to those voices. And so I'm not ashamed to say to you, there'll be some people in this room, husbands, who need to completely change the mindset of how you treat your wife and your family. You need to take a lead. Not just theoretically, but practically. So the first thing is, I carry this general sense of responsibility. Secondly, Gemma's talked about this mainly, so I'm not going to talk much. There are times when I've got to be prepared to make the call, okay? I do not have a submit button. <laughs> I don't think you can get one even on eBay. I don't want one, okay? Um, but you know what? At times when we get stuck and reach an impasse, and we just cannot agree, I have to step up at that point, even if that's unpopular. And you can tell when that's going to happen. And you know what, it might not lead to marital harmony in the short term, but as Gemma spelt out, the alternative is much worse. The alternative means basically you just left leave things hanging. Sometimes you might not even want to talk about issues anymore. That's just off limits because we can't agree and we just leave important things just festering in our relationship. We don't want to do that, do we? And actually in the end, resentment builds up. But there's two really important things, and Gemma has mentioned, but I want to underline them because they're so vital in this. Okay, One is that it must be done with love. I cannot underline this enough. And this is, I think, what Paul means with the end of this verse. Do not be harsh with them. Paul knew submission involves conflict necessarily at some moments because it means there will be points where the two wills are not the same and one will says, but we're doing this. Okay, That involves conflict necessarily. And so what he's saying, there will be conflict. There will be time, guys, where you have to step up. But listen, at those times, you don't get your Bible out and go, but God says, do what I say. Now, that's being harsh with them. What it means is we do that with grace and gentleness and love as best we can. And I think the second thing I've got to say about this is these moments on both sides should be few and far between. They really should. If I'm having to step in regularly and make the call in that sort of way, it's a good indication that I'm leading Gemma, but I'm not loving her. Actually, probably, if I'm never stepping in and making the call and deferring in every single disagreement... I'm probably loving Gemma, but I'm not leading her. We're called to do both things. And so that's a feature of leading the home for me. And finally, the way we organize our lives together reflects this. Um, I think we, on the back of all this, we would organize our lives together. Gemma mentioned this. We divvy up tasks in the family according to this sort of view of leadership and submission, kind of in the background, okay? Um, now, I'm not going to be prescriptive here at all because this is something, even as we've talked about it, we're like, well, how does this exactly work? We, we can't even map that ourselves. But I'd say there are three areas. I think we did. We agreed on this half an hour before coming <laughs> this morning, okay? We've been talking about this for a while. But I think the three areas for me I would take special responsibility for, at least in my mind and my thinking, would be spiritual health of my wife and kids, money in our family, and the discipline of our children, Okay? You might well have different ones. You could do it differently. But for me, that's, those are the three things I think. Those, I want to I you know, think about them. I want to be starting the conversation on them whenever possible. Okay? And the basic reason is this. If Gemma's rela- relationship with God goes off the rails, there is a degree in which that's on me from what I've said, from what I believe. If we go bankrupt as a family, or even worse, drift into unthinking materialism, I cannot think of a a, a description of leadership in which the buck wouldn't stop with me on that, (laughs) you see? And if my kids 
uh, uh, unruly, disobedient, and disrespectful, you know what? That's on me. And therefore, I'm very keen to start conversations on these things and keep bringing us back to those conversations to make sure we stay on track. I just want to be clear, I'm not going to go further than that because there is no sense in which I micromanage in those areas. <laughs> Again, if you know my personality, I don't micromanage in any areas because I've not got that attention to detail. But anyway, um, but we work together on those things and, and we work together on them on the ground, but also vision of how we lay those things out. But I guess the least I could say is I have a special interest in keeping those things on track. And actually, Jem would say to me, look, I'm going to follow your lead in those areas. And sometimes she would take me on to task and say, Johnny, you're not leading in these areas. We, come on, you've forgotten. You're not even thinking about this. Come on. This is what you're doing. And that's not, that's not rebellious. That's, sub, that's submitting to leading in the family and saying, oi, come on, there's a, a roles here. We've got to do these, these things together. So I hope that helps. Um, let's just pause this down. We're going to finish with a bit of application. And I'm going to hand to Jem to kind of start off and then I'll finish on the back of that. That's the plan, wasn't it? <laughs> Did I get through that bit? That was the, that was the tricky bit. <laughs> Whoa, okay. All right. Well, I apologize for this, but I will at this point probably be speaking to wives or maybe a few of you that fancy after all of this, maybe still being a wife. <laughs> um, so first off, ladies, in terms of application, I, I guess really honestly, my, my advice would be you've, you've got to come to peace with this in some ways. Uh, I'm not saying that that's easy to do. Uh, it will be hard. We've been told it will be hard. Um, but what I would say is easy to do is to trust God. You've trusted him with your life this far. Um, he knows best. Uh, and and I, I would honestly say give it a go. It's one of those things that is kind of like, I'll give it a go, see how it goes. And as trust builds, you get better at it. Um, so give it a try. The second thing I would say is have dialogue, okay? Uh, mine and Johnny's relationship has greatly improved <laughs> since we have actually learned to have empathy for each other in each other's situations. It's really easy, okay, for me to imagine that leadership is really great in marriage all the time when I want to take it for a while and give it a go and then I get a bit tired and I'm like, oh yeah, you can have it back. <laughs> That's fine. Okay, but I don't always appreciate the fact that that is a responsibility and that Johnny does find that difficult sometimes. Equally, okay, it is really honest to be important about okay, but look at this, look at, look at what I have to do. <laughs> sometimes that's easy and sometimes that's really hard. So I think it's really good to make sure that you have conversations about that and you're clear with each other. In fact, that is what leads to respect in the situation and that is what leads to learning that that person is loving you uh, despite it being difficult. Uh, and finally, uh, I think it's really important for us to know as guys and girls actually that ultimately uh, we are in God's hands, okay, completely and absolutely. Um, He's the higher authority on this, uh, and we could submit our lives to him because ultimately we know we're actually submitting to God. Uh, so perhaps your husband isn't a Christian, uh, perhaps there are problems, loads of problems, and it's really hard, but ultimately we need to remember that we are in God's hands. Okay, He has designed this, he has planned this, his ideas are better than our ideas, and we are ultimately in his hands. Um, so I'm going to pass back to Johnny. Thank you. Very quickly from me is this to, to the guys there. I just want to ask the questions. And, and it's a question that I'd like to take away. Think about, talk to your wife about it. Are you leading your wife? And uh, the best person to answer that question, you'll never guess who they are, is your wife. And I'd ask that question. How, am I doing this? Where could I be doing this better? Where could I be doing this more? 
It's an important calling for us. And then, but that question comes very, very quickly followed. I say follow the two exactly together. Are you loving your wife, guys? You might have all sorts of ambitions with your life. And even you might have callings from God. You say, God's called me to this. I want to be really clear with you. you if you think God's called you singular to something that he hasn't called you plural to, that calling is trumped by the calling you definitely have to love your wife. Okay, and if that calling's real, if that's from God, you know what, he'll bring you both to that calling. Okay, and there's ways to kind of graciously go through that, work through those sort of things. But it's not, it's not okay just to go, God said this, so we're going. And say, well, no, this doesn't fit with me at all. You can't do that. That's not what leadership is. And I, I'm still learning that. Um, but I'd, I'd put that with you. And very, very finally, before Jem closes to pray, is that all right? I didn't mean to talk about that. Right. <laughs> no pressure. Okay, uh, she can think about that. Um, for those of you here who uh, would kind of struggle to apply this at all, I, I guess, um, I just want to speak to you to finish. For those who maybe who here are single parents um, and who all the way through there would be this nagging feeling of, yeah, that's great. Uh, you, you're talking about these struggles. I have a different struggle. I'm doing this on my own. There's no team at all here, okay? Um, I just want to encourage you that even as we spell out, this whole submission thing Gemma said is, is all done in the context of, Actually, my destiny in life is not in my husband's hands. The ultimate submission for both of us is to God. And you might think, I'm alone in my family. How do I work this through? Well, actually, for you, I would encourage you to draw very, very close to the, your head. It says, uh, the, man is the, head of the, the, the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is head of the church. Actually, go straight to the head. He has grace for you, and you are not doing it on your own. Bring him in. Apply this with him. Go into his word. Look at his wisdom. Say, I submit to you, Lord. And let his favor come to you. Because it's not an ideal situation. I'm sure you're aware of that. But his grace can come to you in it. Okay? And for others of you who maybe uh, you're single or you just find this incredibly difficult, maybe because you're not a Christian or uh, your husband or wife is not a Christian uh, as well, I just want to say, just wrapping up our, our story, uh, we don't, we've not nailed it all. We've not wrapped it all up in our heads. But we would want to stand before you today and say there is wisdom in God's words here. And uh, we, we, it said in Colossians, I started with it, in Jesus is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And there are sometimes, if God is wiser than us, his wisdom will be different to us. And if God is wiser than our culture, which is of the world, there will be times where those things clash. And I want to encourage you, just because you don't think something works, it's not an excuse to wriggle out of what the Bible clearly teaches and try to find a way out of it. What we're saying is we've tried to obey him. He's been good to us. Okay. He's a good God. He doesn't tell us things to crush us. He tells us things to bless us as his children. Let's go. Let's, we can do this. Okay.